most people are living on their technology. Like most people are homeschooling because of the pandemic. And my special guest is a fellow homeschooling mom. And I cannot wait to hear her story. So Courtney, can you introduce yourself? Hey everyone, thank you so much for having me on, Sharice. I'm excited. Hi everyone who's listening out there. <laughs> I'm Courtney and I am a wife, a mother. My husband and I, we have four children. They range from ages 12 all the way down to three. <laughs> and the three-year-old oh. acts like <laughs> the 18-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> that I don't even have yet. I've, I've been a homeschooler for eight years now, which blows my mind and when we first set out to homeschool um i was always my husband he laughs and this is a true story i there were many a times where i would cry and be like oh my gosh our kids are gonna be illiterate it's gonna be all my fault because we've only ever homeschooled since our oldest was preschool um and so i felt a lot of stress about it but my husband always brought me back to the main point like beyond trying to get them to the point where, you know, okay, you need to be on the common core standards or state testing and, you know, that has its place, but he was really focused in like, you know what, our goal needs to be focused in on building character in them. Because if we produce individuals at the time of graduation who might be able to ace a test, but if their character is off, if they don't have integrity, if you know, if there's just areas and qualities that are lacking and wanting, then that means we haven't done our job well. So that has been our guiding principle at times when we do have those moments of tension, even like today, you're right. I do have to steer and guide their hearts and even disciple them in some ways to help teach them how to manage, you know, disappointment, how to manage difficulty, how to persevere, uh, you know, some of those qualities that really can be really hammered away when you are able to have such hands-on experience educating your own children. Yes, I'm so glad you mentioned everything you just said because one of the things that I say is that it's not just it's not just schooling as the textbooks, but it's really life learning. That's how I put it. And you just yeah. you just said all of that. Like, it's so important for our children to have more than just the math. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think we can go, like, so many directions with that. But maybe what we need instead of just the, the education in the sense of whiteboard and you need to know this for the test and you need to know that, maybe we do need a little bit more of the home economics. Is, is that what we're kind of missing? And I, I don't, I mean, I don't know if that's touchy or not, but maybe because in my own life, when I'm happy and I like build their self-esteem, all of a sudden they know how to read. Like, do you get that? Or is it just, <laughs> so maybe it's not that I'm a bad mom and they don't know how to read, but maybe it's something else going on that stress. And they can't focus at that time. And it just looks like they can't read. It looks like they don't know. Mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> absolutely. 
Yeah, and I definitely think you're right because we, you know, your child best. You know when to push them. You know, how, you know when to press on the gas. You know when to ease up on the brake. You know, yeah. like it's like almost like your car. You you fill your car out, and if someone borrows your car, you might warn them, like, "Hey, just so you know." Right. <laughs> <laughs> when you, it might do a little jostle when you turn that. Right. <laughs> In the same way for our children, you know, we we recognize if this truly is like, you know what, there's something else going on. Maybe we need to close up the books for the day. We've had days like that, honestly, where it just was like, look, y'all, we need to have a woo-saw moment. Y'all go ahead and go pray. <laughs> you know, me, I'm going to need to go pray. Y'all yes. I'm going to pray. <laughs> But, you know, that's real. And, and it's the beauty of homeschooling because you are afforded those moments when, you know what, we can just pick up where we left off tomorrow and it's going Say to be okay. that again. You know? <laughs> yeah. There might be, a, there might, look, there might be something later on that evening that sparks your thoughts about whatever the text or the workbook or the paper or worksheet was earlier in the day. You might encounter something that evening that further drives home that point even better mm -hmm. than any of the textbook could have ever done. So I have a beautiful lady here. And let me tell you, she is gorgeous. <laughs> I've already told her, but she is just simply amazing. I saw her on Instagram and I instantly fell in love with her, what she's doing, the community that she is just creating. So Ashley, can you come on and introduce yourself? Of course. Thank you so much. My name is Ashley, or Miss Ashley, as the children like to call me, early childhood enthusiast and play advocate. I'm in the Atlanta area. Um, I am a mom to a three-year-old. That's probably the toughest job that I have right now. Um, and I also own a homeschooling collective called Playpen African, and we branched out to do some other things. Right now, I am working on a show called Nguzo Babies, which debuted in December and we are working on our third, fourth, fifth, and sixth episode <laughs> this month. Um, and it's about uh, seven treehouse pals that are learning together and growing together through the eyes of the, the principles of Kwanzaa. So very much based on the um, program that I have. We do the same exact thing with the children there. And so I wanted something to share with everybody, um, every Black child that can really build on what we're doing at Playpen African. When people meet you and you say Playpen African, what does that mean? So I actually was, I've been a teacher, a family helper, a nanny, um, children's museum educator for the last, for over 20 years. And so I started off with a company called Play Enthusiasm that I made. And it was basically just encouraging families and um, families with young children that children learn best through play. And so it got to a point where I was doing a mix of like, mommy and me or parenting me classes, music classes. I was doing art classes with young children and I was also still kind of nannying. But then once I had my son, I wanted to shift my focus, especially to um, focus on black children. Um, because I think having a young black boy in this country, there's a, it's, it's a different element of child rearing that you have to go to when you're um, raising young black children. And so I wanted to take everything that I had already known and loved about what I did, but then focus on black families. And so when I moved to Atlanta, 
it was kind of gifted to me, these families that were coming into my play groups or mommy and me classes. Whereas before I had, it was main, it was usually white families that I had seen. And so now that I had come here, it was, it was just different for me. Um, so that was nice. And so when I created Play Pan African, it started off as a kind of a small nursery program where parents could have a few hours to themselves that so they can just do drop off. But parents were starting to ask for more hours, longer hours. And um, so it just evolved into a homeschooling collective. So now in the program itself, we have three standard teachers there. And then we have the children, but we also have vendors that come in and they'll do different classes with them. So imagine these three to six year olds doing horseback riding there. Um, we just started a woodworking class. We've done sewing, we've done, um, what else? We've done a mix of things. Just people who are in the community that are willing to come and do things with us. They, they just started their capoeira class back, um, drumming. At one point we had harp. So we want to expose young children, young black children to a plethora of um, areas taught by black talented geniuses. So expose them to things that they might not see in your regular preschool program. So that's it in a nutshell. Can you tell us why is it so necessary that we expose our kids? Because sometimes we just, you know, go to school and then that's it. You know, read a book, um, like, and I mean a textbook, which is not even the same as, you know what I mean? Like a beautiful book that gets the kids interested in learning and opens mm -hmm. their eyes and minds. Can you just kind of Absolutely. so the thing is and i i did an ebook that kind of outlined this um so my ebook talked about my experiences working for white families and this was before i was pregnant and so i got to see I, i've worked I, I was born and raised in boston then i moved to la and then i moved to atlanta um, but between the three of them i was always a nanny and most of the families with the exception of maybe one or two i had I worked with white families. And so I was kind of seeing a different side of it because I had also been a daycare teacher, also been in a kindergarten classroom, also been in like a regular preschool classroom. So I have all these different mixes of things. And one thing that was important to me when I um, realized I was having my son was that I wanted the experience of being of, of that nanny life because it was so much easier to expose them to things. And, you know, when I think of play, there's all, play is kind of a layered subject. There's um, there's hands-on learning. So that doesn't have to look like, um, you know, standard centers in a classroom. That's part of it. That can be part of it. But also just having that experience of like, we're talking about fire trucks, let's go to a fire station. And I love that portion of being able to do that as a nanny. So when I had my son, I said, this is how I want to do it, just as I was doing it with those children, because he deserves it as well. I think it's important for children to really get certain concepts. Um, the, the way that I explain it the most is if you have, if you draw a picture with just a pencil of an apple, that doesn't really give you the variety of colors that it comes in. That doesn't tell you what it can smell like. That doesn't tell you what it can taste like. So if you can imagine that, um, it, and giving them an apple so that they can taste it, so they can smell it and feel it, all of those, it's a different understanding of what an apple is. And so that's kind of how I try to approach learning with young children. That's how I learn best anyway. So with my son, I wanted to build on that. Um, what does it mean to learn about horses? 
it's a totally different thing when you get to be, you know, in close proximity. So everything that I can think of engage his interests or even the class's interests, I bring that in. So even with the students, you know, we have a room that's just dedicated to blocks and building and little like manipulatives and stuff. And so I, I thought it was important for them to understand why do we build? So when I brought in the woodworking person who is awesome, by the way, we just started this class. That's why I keep talking about it because he's amazing. Um, but when I brought that in, they can make those connections that they're not just, they're, I don't want to say not just building because they're open-ended yeah, place. Architects, well, yeah, yeah it's, it's still very important. But on top of that, you can do this for a living. You, you know, people, you can do this as a grown-up and it still be fun and exciting and cool. So that was really important for me. Um, and exposing, you know, children to different things, especially with people who are experts in the area, that gives children the exposure to be like, hey, I like that. I might want to do that when I grow up, or I want to do that more now. And so a lot of times when we have classrooms, or when we're not thinking outside of the box, or even asking for help from the community to kind of bring new lessons in, you, it, it doesn't mean that they're not going to have a great education, but it's nice to expose children to things that might that might show them what their gifts are. I think that's a really important thing. We talk about that a lot. We um, with the principles that we do for Kwanzaa, we have them coincide with the days of the week. So Friday is always for Nia, which means purpose. So usually that's how we do show and tell. Right now they're still in the stage where they're showing their toys, but it's evolving into something where you can tell a story. You can share something that you're really good at. It's not just, I'm bringing a toy and this is important to me. Those are important too, but building on that. So children can say, they can stand on their own and say, this is what I love doing. This is who I am. Um, we also did at the beginning of the year, um, we talked about self. We evolved through four quarters. So the first one is self. Then we talk about family. Then we talk about community. Then we talk about connections. Um, and in self, we had a naming ceremony. So we focused on the children and said, what do you love doing? And we gave them a name based on that. And so the parents came out and we had a formal ceremony where we gave them their new names. And so that really empowers children to say, this is what I love doing. So Combined with that, really focusing on who the child is and bringing in more stuff that supports that, that that can take their brilliance to a whole other level. Everybody, this is like a dream. She doesn't even know. The person that is on the other side does not even know how I feel about her. So I am going to let her just do herself an amazing justice by introducing herself. Miss Carla, can you introduce yourself to everyone? Hello, hello everybody. Thank you so much. I'm honored that you uh, gave me a chance to speak and um, share with your followers today. My name is Carla Marie Williams. And uh, most importantly, I am a mom of six amazing kids and a wife of almost 24 years. But other than that, um, I am the, the president of Be Bold Publishing and um, an author and an international speaker. Um, have been all over the world sharing um, and inspiring audiences and I'm just really excited to be here and do the same with you. I didn't even know all of that. Wow. So let's start with mom of six. How did you do all of these amazing accomplishments because sometimes we get confused in our societies that women can't really do too much unless we like leave something off the list if that makes sense 
Yeah, absolutely. It's almost like something has to get neglected. You know, um, I would say number one, God's grace. (laughs) Um, Number two, I'm married to Superman and he is super supportive um, as I am of of his ventures, but he's very supportive and has always been um, there to pick up the slack when I needed um, a little extra time um, to work on projects and things of that nature. And um, I'd say thirdly, I kind of train my family to be really independent and self-sufficient so that obviously I'm present, but they are able to function and do things, you know, without mom doing everything. Can you just expound a little bit on God's grace? Because my experience, sometimes we think God is kind of spooky, way out there, just some foreign thing that we really don't understand. It's not tangible. How do you know to recognize the grace of God in your life? How do you know to recognize him in your life? (laughs) That's a really good question. I've been a minister for over 20 years and um, I haven't always been able to recognize that. Sometimes I found myself striving really hard toward things that really were not in the right time or for me. And what I began to notice um, through bumping my head against cement enough times that I needed to wait on God's timing and God's grace and his timing always work together. Um, and so there were times when, you know, other people were asking me to do things and to jump into ventures and other times when I wanted to do, you know, X, Y, and Z. But every time I would try to do that without seeking God first, and without looking at what else was going on in my life that would allow that to be a smooth, you know, transition, not that everything's going to be smooth, but it was always rough waters when my timing was off. Mm. And so I began to recognize, you know, um, how to perceive the seasons of life because really God's grace works in seasons, how to perceive those seasons and when, it was the right time to go for whatever it was that I wanted to do. And then obviously um, that all my relationships were lining up with that at the time. Was it, did, were my kids in a point where I could do this in, in our relationship or their needs won't suffer? Is my marriage, um, which has always been strong, but is my husband in a point in his career or in his ventures where he can pick up some slack where I may need to pull back to pursue something. And so it just, um, it's all about seasons and timing when it comes to God's grace, because that's how he operates. The coloring activity book as a compliment to the picture book. So this is going to be a series and basically it's a celebration of the black experience. I believe truly that God has created all of us with dignity, we all have his image. And even if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, um, you're still creating God's image and he still yeah. loves you. And so yeah. I believe it is very important to allow black and brown children to be celebrated as being the heroes of their own stories. Why not? You know, mm-hmm. for so long, you know, Superman, he's white. <laughs> Cinderella, she's white. Yeah. Uh, what's the girl's name from Frozen? She's white and her sister's white. You know, like mm-hmm. everybody white, which 
That's great, but I feel like it's not enough depictions. We have plenty, but we need more. So Yes, yes. So I'm like, I want to do my part because my books are not just for Black kids. I write books that show Black people, but they are books that everybody needs to read because just as much as my Black children read books with white characters, white children, Asian children, Latino children, they need to read books with Black and brown children as well. I agree. And I love how you said God is all up in it. Like we cannot forget about that. So who better to create content than the children of God? (laughs) You know, we got to step it up as a church. And I just, I love what you're doing. I love everything that you're about. (laughs) And oh my God, I'm just so excited. Yeah, kind of get locked up in I was just like, girl, you should have been had this together. But no, you're you're so right. I'm just right. starting. Give myself some grace. Just start it. Okay, I'm gonna start it like today. <laughs> yeah, do it. Whatever, and you can have whatever you want. I think that's the great thing about 2022 that I I took a look at. You know, for it was a great year for me. Um, but because so many systems had kind of fallen apart, um, so many rules that we thought were just like stuck. Yeah. They dissolved. We thought we had to be at work at time, like for the whole nine to five. And then we're realizing, no, half of these meetings don't have to happen. A lot of this can be done from home. Everything changed. And so for me, I said, you know what? That just means that everything I thought I knew or I thought was like stuck in stone or whatever, it doesn't have to be that way. So use that opportunity to create the life that you want, especially now. No one's going to you know, I, I said this all last year, but I think it applies to this year too. Like no one's going to get on you for a failed business in 2020 because look what was happening. No one's going to get on you for a failed business or not even failed, but like messing up or making a mistake in 2021 because everything is uncertain right now. So now is the time to step into whatever, try it, doesn't work, make some alterations and then just keep moving. Come no on. No one's going to judge you for it. Look, that's Except it. Except you. Yeah, okay, except for me. <laughs> I hope y'all heard that. Yeah. That was the time. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so mm-hmm. much, Ashley. You have really poured into this episode. I am going to let you go because we can talk for hours, and you've done such a tremendous job. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I would say... To anybody that is feeling stuck or feeling like just a mom or just this or they're stuck in a job that they don't want to do for the rest of their life, that they need to trust God and his timing and allow him to break them out of that mold. Um, And you can't do that afraid. You can't do that um, if you're not trusting him. But God wants to do something bigger in you and through you and for you. But he can only do that with your cooperation. And sometimes we're expecting, you know, the the heavens to open and our life to change instantly. And he's waiting for us to trust him and to take that next right step. And so if there's anybody just doesn't like where they are, they need to take that next right step. And that takes action. Sometimes that next right step is simply 
taking your relationship with God to another level. Sometimes it's starting a business or writing a book or going back to school or applying for that promotion or deciding, you know, to say yes to a marriage proposal or whatever the case is. There's a next step for you. And the only way you're going to know what that is, is if you seek God for it. And he is going to make it happen greater than anything that you can plan and strategize yourself. But you have to step first. I have a guest with me. My little one just came in. (laughs) Oh, she's speaking. (laughs) You say hi. Hi. Hello. (laughs) 